Hey friends, in the beginning of today's episode, Anna and I discuss some pretty heavy topics, from anxiety and depression, to suicide, to cancer. Some of these topics are pretty triggery. Please, 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 take care of yourselves. And if you need to skip ahead, check out our show notes to find the timestamp for our Q&A section. We don't want to inadvertently trigger anybody, so please be cautious when listening. And as always, thanks for listening. Welcome to Fangirl Happy Hour. Today, we're going to answer a lot of real questions from real space bees. I'm here, as always, with my fellow fangirl, Anna. Hi, Anna. Hi, Renee. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Hmm. Huh. That's... Huh. <laughs> That's a good question. It's a good question. Obviously, we have dropped from our like normal like let's do extra episodes to uh, well we've missed episodes and also now we're not doing as many as we used to so oops whoops oops we have reasons we have serious reasons so we talk should we talk about those reasons yes we, we should probably go ahead just get rid of all the bad shit that has drop, been happening drop the baggage you go first all right. So why do I even start? So I think I have mentioned a couple of times um, previously that 2015 was not a very good year for me because there were health issues on my side and then also back home in Brazil. Things are not good, basically. For me personally, I've had, I was diagnosed with the autoimmune last year and it's not life threatening or anything, but it's, it has been taking a long long as time for the doctors to find out what it was and then that was what it took over a year and then the first time they said that I had this Hashimoto's thyroiditis thing that attacks my own thyroid was in June and I'm still not receiving any treatment because I have had to do several multiple different tests and then wait and then wait and then go to here, go there and go here and go there and be referred. And I finally was, uh, finally saw an endocrinologist a couple of weeks ago and then she was lovely and she says, yes, let's treat you. And I said, yes, let's treat me. And then she also said, but let's do this one last exam first. And I said, okay, fine. And it was a cortisol exam and it came abnormal. So now she thinks that I might have a second autoimmune. So I'm waiting f to do further tests. In the meantime, I go untreated and I have all of these stupid symptoms. And they, they are believable with, they are annoying. I get tired, very, very tired a lot. But in the grandest scheme of things, it's not as bad as what's happening with my father who has cancer. And that's to put mild. So that's the other thing that happened last year. My father was diagnosed with colon cancer that sped to the liver. And then he was fine for a while. And then a couple of weeks ago, um, we found out that his cancer spread to the bones. And on that same week, we got the news that my baby sister, who is only 35 years old, also has cancer. Cervical cancer. It's shit. Agreed. <laughs> Cancer sucks. That's not a scarier word in the entire world in any language, I think. It's the word cancer. It's the most terrifying word. Her prognostics is good because apparently they caught right in the beginning. But it's scary and it's awful and she has a little child and I have never been so scared in my life and because of that um, I'm going to Brazil and I'm going to be that for a whole month to help out while she has her surgery so I'm saying all of this I'm, sh I'm finally sharing this with all of you because um, I can't cope with everything so I'm taking a small break from Fangirl Happy Hour I'm also taking a break from writing reviews for the book smugglers. 
I'm not taking a break from my daytime work or from Book Smugglers Publishing because I need to work. This is what's happening. And Renee has kindly organized a few guests to come and share the space with her so that the podcast can continue without me for a couple of weeks, hopefully no more than a month. Yeah, you have to come back. You have no choice. I'm definitely coming back. It's just that it's just that for me it's when things like that happen and I get so stressed and I get so sad really. I'm very, very sad at the moment. I can't read. I find that I just can't concentrate on reading and this is why the reviewing and the podcasting will have to take a break because I just can't. And I'm very sad. And it's interesting because now going around this whole thing that is happening and coming back to why do we do things like the way that we do and how do we react to things the way that we do is that I've been trying to explain to myself and to others why I need a break because I feel weak and like I'm failing because I'm... taking a break when I, I realize that I need this break because otherwise I will break. Negative. You are not weak and you are not a failure for needing to take a break. Yes. As Renee so kindly told me the other day, reminded me that it's okay to ask for help. And this is why I asked for help. And our lovely guests that will come in the show as well. And don't worry, guys. I know you're all excited. Some of you are excited that this means that there won't be Hugo commentary. Uh, nope. <laughs> Sorry. We're gonna, I'm gonna hook up uh, with Anna when she's in Brazil just for that purpose. So she, she, she will be back for uh, the Hugo announcement. Yes, of course I will. Like, that, <laughs> nothing will prevent me from doing that. Nothing. I just wanted to make sure they didn't get their hopes up that there wouldn't be Hugo commentary. <laughs> As if. As if. There's definitely going to be Hugo commentary. I'm, I'm not taking a break. I'm going to stick around. We're gonna, I'm going to have some guests. But you know them already, mostly, so it's going to be okay. I think about what you said when you're like, I feel like a failure. I feel like I'm not accomplishing anything. I know that feeling really well. I've been dealing with like a lot of chronic illnesses, so I see where you are. And it's taken me a long time to tell myself, I make myself believe, hey, you deserve to take care of yourself. You deserve self-care. You deserve patience. You deserve breaks. Because I think a lot of times the culture that we in and the community we in make us feel like we can't take those. Like if we take them, we're going to become irrelevant. Oh, yes. Oh, don't even get me started with that. That's right, though. That's exactly... Because I mean, we're in this creative community and we comment on media, we comment on culture, we comment on the things people are doing in culture, but when you have to stop and take a break and step away from that and come back, it feels really hard because when you're doing good work and you're making connections with people, you stop doing that and it becomes really difficult to get back on that horse because you feel like that connection is broken. Jay Smooth actually has a video about this called The Little Hater, which I think is excellent to listen to, where he talks about when he hasn't made a video for a little while, he feels like he doesn't have like good things to say or a right to come back and make videos, even if he's taking a break. And I think this is really damaging. And I think that we have to stop and tell ourselves that we're human beings and we are deserving of care from others and especially ourselves. Like when we need breaks, we just need to say, oh, we need a break. That's yes. I'm really proud of you that you probably said, hey, I need a break. It was hard. I won't lie. Yeah, this is no, the first. No, this hard. is the. This is the first time I'm taking a break from the book smugglers in eight years. It's a long time that I'll take a break, Anna. I have not had a break, so it's hard, and there is some guilt involved there. Of course, no guilt for me. <laughs> I'm not guilting you at all. I'm going. Good no. job. Good work. Excellent. Excellent life decisions. Yes, and I have had a lot of support from my partner as well. I think I scared him a lot the other day because I had a 1 a.m. breakdown. Oh, and, yeah, I know those. Oh. Yeah, and he was like, no, you you need to do something. You need to take a break. Please, please, please take a break. <laughs> I to beg you. I mean, this was like me in 2014 when I was... Like, I look back and I'm just thinking nobody knew how close I was to killing myself because I was working at Target 
and I was super miserable, and I felt like a waste of space. Like the the moments between May of two thousand, like not May, March of two thousand fourteen to June two thousand fourteen, when was the when that was when I quit Target was like those months where I was like I just need to be dead. I don't Ugh. deserve to be here anymore. I'm a waste of space. I was so sick. How do you crawl out of that? Like when you're when you're down that far. Like two things actually helped me. I watched a video, um, which is gonna everybody's gonna be like, "Oh God, Renee, really?" But yes, there was this video that Chris Evans did, um, where he talks about like brain noise and how you don't have to listen to it. Like it's just noise. For some reason, that the way he framed it really worked for me. Like I rewatched that part like four or five times, <laughs> like uh, a day when I was having like problems, when I had to remind myself that I don't have to listen to what my brain's telling me. And then my partner, finally going, no, stop, you need help, quit this job. Yay, partners! Yay, partners, <laughs> yes! put their foot down and go, you have to quit. Yeah. So I understand where you're coming from, because it's really hard, and I would rather you take care of yourself now than get to where I was, where, which was not a good space. What you said just really scares me, because I had no idea that was happening to you. At that point. Yeah, no, I mean, you don't know. That's the, And there's, because there's a lot of shame in it, too. Like, yeah. people don't talk about it. Like, I mean, there's becoming this n- normalization of anxiety and depression. And, like, I'm saying, when I, when I say I was, just ang- like, anxious and depressed, like, I went to a doctor and, like, she was like, uh, are you okay? Like, she literally asked me, like, two or three times during our, like, little interview she's like have you thought about self-harm in the past you know two weeks have you thought about self-harm in the past three weeks and i was like yes 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 i was like nervous that she wasn't gonna let me leave oh like that's how bad that this doctor who apparently thought i was at that time i i mean i just think that it's good to take care of yourself because if you don't take care of yourself that's where you end up and it's not a good yeah. place and you don't deserve to end up there nobody does nobody deserves to feel like that at all no. So this is why I'm taking a break, and it's okay. We're going to hold on the fort for you. Yay. I'm really proud of you. I'm super proud of you. I want to give you a Thank hug. You. I'm so mad uh, that there's an ocean between we're us. We're so far away. It's like an internet hug right now. Internet hug. <laughs> Your family is going to be okay. You're going to go take care of them. You're going to yes. take care of yourself. I know you have to work while you're there, but I really, I, uh, I do, really yeah. want you to take care of yourself while you're there, too. I will. You promise? Yes. I'm going to stay with my mom. Good. And my mom's going to cook for me. <laughs> and she's already prepared a home office as well so that I can work from from her house. I'll be in the bosom of my family. Plus, I get to spend a whole month with my baby niece. So see, we're going to be good. This is like, yeah, it's heavy podcast today. Welcome to Faker Happy Hour, <laughs> where... <laughs> I have- it's not exactly all a happy games. hour or a happy hour per se today. Well, you might be drinking, but it's not a happy drinking. No, well, no, definitely not. Oh, boy. <laughs> so we can actually do what we came to do, which is... Yeah, but first, can I talk about something really, really cool that happened in the past week? Yes. Okay, so because it wasn't all doom and gloom... We also, the Book Smugglers, um, announced our superhero stories. Yay! Yes, the ones that we're going to be publishing from May. There are five of them. They are going to be awesome. And I think for this podcast, I just wanted to mention that one of them is from Tansy Rainer Roberts from Galactic Suburbia. And how cool is this? It's a crossover event. It's really cool. (laughs) I'm really excited about that, actually. I'm so excited to be working with Tansy and her story is super nice, super cool. It's called um, Boys Own Superhero Bingo Card. And it's a sequel to Cookie Cutter Superhero, which is a story that she published in that anthology uh, that I loved. And I loved Cookie Cutter Superhero. It was one of my favorite stories in the anthology. And... Oh, it's like Kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope! Yes! Oh, thank God. Well, no, KJ read that anthology and she was like you yeah. should read this it's great 
It is so great. That one was edited by Alisa, also from Galactic Suburbia. Okay, everybody should. It's like a Y anthology of short. Fiction. It's just, it's so good. There are so many awesome stories in there. So, Tinsy. We also publishing a story by Joan Shu. That's exciting. I'm excited. Who won a Hugo Award a couple of years ago and whom the puppies hate. Oh, God. So. You know, I feel like I'm doing something for the world by getting a Don't Shoot story. He has gays. Has <laughs> gays? Are you serious? Well, everybody who likes stories with gays in them, there you go. I'm sure they don't die, so don't worry. No, of course they don't die. Well, you have to give us Super some, cool. You have to give us some credit that we're kind of, us queers, we worry about these things. I appreciate that, and this is why in our series we have now three out of five happy ending LGBT stories. Sweet! Uh, you're living your best life, Anna. I'm proud. So that's a good that's a good thing that happened in the past couple of weeks, and I'm very excited about. It. Now we can answer some questions. And now yes. we're going to answer some questions. A lot of people ask us questions this time. I know, I and actually... some a lot of. And you made a lot of them ask us or ask me <laughs> to say things in Portuguese, and I'm like, okay. I really did. It was a good. It was a good idea. Helped a lot. <laughs> All right. So, what question do we have first? I'll just go like in order of these that have, have say appear. So, Ink Junket from Tumblr wants to know our favorite LGBT romance novel. That's a tough question for me because I don't think I've read any like specific romance novels. Right. Now I want to read some specific ink junket. You should send us some recs for good LGBTQ romance novels because I don't think I'm trying to think. Like if I if I really thought about like rom like romance, I would have to like go with My Most Excellent Year by Steve Kluger. Yes, but does it qualify as a romance novel? It doesn't qualify as a romance. It's like a YA, yeah, YA I, that has romance in it, but that's like the one I'd have to choose because I haven't read like any explicit. Because yeah. I mean, unless you count fanfic, I don't know. I don't think they meant fanfic. I read that book. I remember you reviewing it. Um, uh, YA fabulous. That, is that how your blog was called? Is it? Yeah, that's it. It oh, is. Yeah, yeah. Before I closed it. So yeah, I remember you reviewing that a long long time ago mm -hmm. and i read that book so happy. i do have one favorite lgbt romance novel what? okay wow good job yeah i do it's called whistling the dark by tamara allen but it was published by Lither or leather press which is a press that does a lot of lgbt romance novels you can check them it's set in the 20s and it's an adorable, beautiful love story between two guys. And it's a romance novel, so the romance is the main thing of the novel. And of course, it ends happy, and it's beautiful, it's funny, it's super nice. I highly recommend. She's really well regarded within romance. I really loved Whistling in the Dark. And I also recommended uh, during our Valentine. Valentine's Day episode, Fingersmith by Sarah Waters. Sarah Waters actually writes all of her novels feature LGBT romance, mostly lesbians. I really liked Fingersmith and The Paying Guests. They are two of her novels. They are lesbian-focused, romantic, and, and well, no tragedy. So good deal. Yes, those are my recommendations. Then I just need somebody to be like, okay, Renee, read these novels. I do have like some MM romance romance novels on my list. Like this one, Curtis recommended me called Prickly Business about oh. like a were hedgehog. I don't know if that's going to be good at all, but I'm going to read it eventually. <laughs> a were hedgehog. Yes. Oh, you're like, oh no, Renee, I'm going to make you read it now. <laughs> she made that noise. I'm going to make you read this book. Oh my god, no. Yes. No. No. He returned. There's no escape. You'll have to come back one day. It's gonna be on the it's gonna be uh, on our docket. Okay. Ink Jenkins also wants to know what our favorite fanish tropes are. This is gonna be harder for you because uh, I think what fanish tropes are and like what original fiction tropes are are different. Ah, okay. So there's a twist to this question. Yes. So my favorite fanish trope is fake boyfriends. Where people okay. pretend to be boyfriends. Yeah. I mean, I guess it would also work for girlfriends, but obviously in fandom, uh, there's some, 
you know, misogyny. And also, I just don't like to write. I mean, I might have written it, but I don't like to write fiction with girls because I feel like that tells people way too many things about my sexual preferences, big boyfriends, and then like a close, a close second is like really quality coffee shop AUs. <laughs> Seems silly. What is, what is that? It's like where... I, keep, I, I keep seeing you re- um, mentioned, but I have no idea what that means. Like, I didn't either, I really need to, like, make you read the Inception Coffee Shop AU to end all Inception Coffee Shop AUs. Because, <laughs> like, like, you would know those characters. The only living boy in New York. I can't remember the title. Like, it's a really long title. The use of the lyric. By Jism. Um, it's about Arthur, who is a lawyer, and Eames, who runs, like, a coffee shop, and how... They fall in love, and Arthur makes pastries. It's really good. It's really good. <laughs> so, so that's so. It's literally. It's a coffee shop AU. It's an AU that takes characters from a like a a canon and puts them into like a coffee shop. So it's it's a literal thing then. Yeah, literally features a coffee shop. Oh wow! And, then, okay. and then it's basically a way to take characters out of their canon and put them into a romance setting and write like a romantic okay. comedy about these two characters featuring a coffee I, shop. I thought coffee shop was code for no. no. <laughs> There's another one that I really liked it from the Social Network fandom. Yeah, uh, which is uh, a Mark Edward story. Hold on, Social Network fandom. The, yeah, the, the the fandom for the movie that came out, The Social Network, where a lot of people ship Mark and Eduardo. What? Yes, that's a real thing, Anna. <laughs> there are so many good fics. There are so many good fics in that fandom. So good. I think, I think okay, anyway, next, Inkjunk <laughs> Ink, Ink asked another thing. Uh, where did Poe and Finn go on their first date? This is an yeah, easier we- question for you. Where would Poe and Finn go on their first date? To bed. <laughs> Dang. Dang it. Or to, to a coffee shop, quote Mark. A rebel a rebel coffee shop. Yes. <laughs> With a bed bed in the back. Oh my oh, god. I, no. Oh my god, Anna. <laughs> I mean come on, Renee. Poe Dameron. I think they would like. I think they would go out too, like a really nice dinner, and he would be a gentleman. No. Yes. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Yes, he's super sweet. Mm. We're gonna have a disagreement here. Poe Dameron would never. <laughs> he would never pressure Finn into anything. He would oh, never... who says? Who, hold on. Who says he would be pressuring him? Finn's like a cute baby duckling. He's so uh, new to everything. You can't uh, rush him. I don't think he would be rushing into anything. Listen, you cannot get... Like... John Boyega and Finn are different. <laughs> like, okay, if in, like, some universe, like, Poe Dameron was like, John Boyega, want to hook up? I can see that. But, like, John Boyega <laughs> and Finn are two different people. <laughs> Even though Finn's not people. He's a character. But I'm just saying, <laughs> you can't confuse them. I'm not confusing them. John Boyega th- would totally fuck Poe on the first date. <laughs> but I don't think Finn would. I think Finn would wake up from his coma and he's like, do you know what? I now almost died. Oh no. I have no time to lose. Oh no. Poe Dameron. Po Come oh, no. here, baby. Oh no. Let's do this thing. Oh no. Oh, okay. Well, Ink Jacket, I hope that, hope that answers your question. We've got to move on. Anonymous wants to know what are the oldest books languishing on your to-be-read piles. It's good that I'm sitting right in front yeah. of my TBR yes, mountain. Yes. Let me take a look. I think I have books here from the beginning of the book Smugglers. So you've had books there eight years. Oh my god. Yes. Oh yeah. That well, definitely. That's that's I think the oldest that they are because that's when I started to actually actively build a TBR. I think maybe Wolf Hall is one of the oldest ones here. Because I bought that book such a long time ago. But it's massive. And I'm like, I don't have time to read your book. And I keep pushing it, pushing it. You should just do it. Never, it's never going to never gonna get shorter. Yeah. I think I have a couple of Stephen King novels here too. I think from even before the book smugglers. Wow. From the um, the Dark Tower, because I bought them, and I said, oh, I'm going to read them one day. Well, we all know how that works out. Well, I did read the first three, and then kind of like, eh, 
I don't know if I like this, which is awful because Taya really loves those books. Okay, let me rephrase that. I actually really did enjoy the first three. I don't know why I don't keep reading the Dark Tower. Because it's a long series and there's a lot of other stuff to read, probably. Yeah, probably. Probably. That's probably why. I tried to read that series when I was a kid, but I read it out of order. So I read the, oh. dra- the the drawing of the three or something. I don't remember what. Yeah, that's the third one. Yeah, anyway, I tried to read that book in isolation because she, the, my, mm. my mom didn't have the other books for some mm-hmm. reason. Poor, confused. I'm like, this is terrible. Like, and I've never gone back to the Dark Tower, even though, like, it was really unfair for me, like, to read the third book. I expect it to make sense. That is that is a really good book, I thought. If you have the first two, maybe, but I was super confused. Hold on, is that the first? Is that the third or the second? I think it could be, even be the second. And made zero. I was like, who is this guy? I don't like him. He's a dick. I was like, I was, I was like a really <laughs> picky reader. I don't, I don't know what mine are, because uh, I have shelves everywhere. But I think the oldest on my to-read list is... Kushiel's Legacy by Jacqueline Carey. Oh, wow. Okay. And also um, The Lions of Al Razan by Guy Gabriel Kay. Both of these books are uh, from Ira, who sent them to me by mail years ago. Mm. And they were like, read these books. They're great. They sent me a huge package of books. And it had Kushiel's Legacy, which is three. And then it had uh, A Song for Arbon, Tagana, and The Lions of Al Razan by Guy Gabriel Kay. All these are epic fantasies. And I read uh, Tagana, and I was soul destroyed. I was in tears. In the book, it's like it's like ah, you don't need to talk. I'm just gonna rip it out of your chest and then beat you with it. <laughs> and then I was afraid to read anything else by him. <laughs> could... You know, I never read anything by him. I would definitely recommend Tagana, even though there's like this weird. Even though you just said that you it destroyed you and you cried. It was a good book. I just really like. It's definitely epic fantasy where like it's no homo even though the, the one of the relationships in the book is should they should definitely let the dude should definitely be fucking but no in the, like, the very end there's like this random heterosexual romance that happens i'm like oh, god, god god gabriel k really you had a no homo in the book really <laughs> fine but then era was like ah the the um the lines of arizona is more heartbreaking than that i'm like whoa i need to take a break and then i never went back <laughs> Which is fair, too. So, well, I, I'm going to get to them. I'm going to get to them. Next question, then. Anna, mm. please say your favorite line from Hamilton in Portuguese. I've been thinking about this question for days. Do you know what your favorite line from Hamilton is? Yes, I do. Oh, do. oh, good. What is it? What's your favorite line from Hamilton? Okay, so my favorite song from Hamilton... Well, bear in mind that I only listened to the first act so far. If you remember, I refuse to listen to act two <laughs> until I actually am able to see the play. So from the first act, the last song, Nonstop, is the most amazing song because it has every single one of the characters reaching their momentum up to that point, obviously. And they all have different songs and different lines. And they all bring all of those arcs together. My favorite line is, why do you write like you're running out of time? Because I so empathize with that. <laughs> Bear in mind that Portuguese is a language that takes much longer to say something that you say in English with fewer words. So I don't know how that would work for a musical. I don't know. You have to take into consideration that it needs to fit in those in the original lines in the English it needs to fit within that song. This and is I don't translation know. is art, but it's I don't just, think it's I don't so, think it's, I don't think it's yeah. gonna matter. They just want you to say it in Portuguese. Okay. Por que que você escreve como se o tempo estivesse terminando? Ou or por que você escreve como se você estivesse correndo contra o tempo? I think this is why translation, especially for songs, is like such an art. Like literally, translation is, it is. an art form in itself. Well, that's my day job, right? Yeah. So I don't do translations myself, but I am a project manager and I work with multiple languages, and it's and it's so hard. And one of the things that we don't work with is um, fictional or creative translation because those are the hardest yeah, ones. I bet. So difficult. Whenever I have a media or a marketing translation to do or to arrange, it's a nightmare. Because, of course, you have 
different levels in which that translation has to work. It can't be literal, it needs to be localized, it needs to make sense. And often with the marketing thing, it has to be snappy and short and to the point. And with some languages, it's just so hard to do that. I know. So. Uh, this is why I don't. I speak English. One language. No. I'm. <laughs> I'm one of the. I'm gonna be one of those cultural dinosaurs when I'm an old lady. I'm like, yep, I only <laughs> speak one language. I'm monolingual. And now it's like people who have five or six languages in their pocket are gonna be like, what? Because it's gonna be a weird thing in the future to only be monolingual. Because I feel like we're becoming a global community where people have at least two languages. But you speak Spanish a little bit, no? I can. Okay, if I'm paying attention, I can kind of understand what people are saying, and I can sort of, like, I can't remember verbs. I'm really bad at remembering the verbs I need to use, and I also can't conjugate in the past tense, or future tense. Can't, mm, nope. I, I remember when we were doing future, future tense and I was in tears in the middle of the classroom. I was not the only one. So I can, if you're talking to me, and as, as long as you talk slow and, like, use your hands, I can pick up basic stuff. I used to do this at work because, like, I could, I, I learned, because at Target you would get, like, little kids who were bilingual, but their parents couldn't speak English. Um, so, but the little kids were always shy, right? The kids would be shy. Oh, yes. And so they would whisper and I'd be like, so finally, I, I just literally learned, I've forgotten how to do it now because I've stopped using it, but we used to, like, sell popcorn and soda and pretzels. I would learn these words in Spanish and I would be able to, like, converse with the parent to figure out what they wanted in Spanish Okay. because the kids were too shy. So, like, I forgot it all now. But I, for a while there, I was doing pretty good. Like, I could, like, give directions and I could tell people where to find stuff. And But I've lost it all because I quit that job. Next question. What does it take for you to not finish something that you start, like a book or a movie or a TV show? Do you have any deal breakers that will make you just walk away? Books are harder for me because I tend to, like, all the bad shit that's going to happen in books that would make me walk away from the book happen at the end. And I'm just like, fuck, I might as well just finish this book so I can count it. Like... <laughs> movies like if you kill a dog in a movie like I am pretty sure that I like refuse to watch one of the Riddick movies mm-hmm. like, I'm just like mm, I'm done I'm out I'll not watch kill I, I do I hate watching animals die uh, so that's although not in books in bo- like I said in books that stuff happens late enough in the book that it's like oh, we'll just finish this but with movies it's different I guess because I haven't invested that much time in it. TV shows where there's stupid character death. Like, dumb character death. Or dumb mm-hmm. plot. Or character or plot developments that rob a character of, like, agency to affect the plot. Like, that's one reason I walked away from uh, Sleepy Hollow when I did. Right, okay. So I think it's easier if I use examples. Yeah. Generally speaking, I would say that if anything is boring, I'm not going to keep watching. And if the writing is not good... I'll also not keep reading, but those are such subjective things. I cannot even tell you what makes writing bad. I know it when I see it. I can tell you why. Sometimes something that is bad for me is not bad for another. Now with plot points, I would say that sexual violence is something that really puts me off. There is only one movie that I ever walked out of the cinema and that was a French movie called Irreversible and that movie has the most it's the most violent thing that I have ever watched it was extremely graphic sexual violence this movie is known for that and it had people vomiting in the cinema people having hysterical breakdowns and a lot of people leaving the theaters and crying their eyes out, which was my case. It was so horrible to watch and I never want to watch anything like that ever again in my life. And for example, same thing with TV shows. So I watched the first season of Luther because of Idris Elba, but then it ends with the most stupid plot point ever with regards to his wife it was so stupid i cannot even tell you how it just removes all agency from that character and it's it's it was stupid 
it makes no sense, no narrative sense for that thing to happen whatsoever. And then I said, no, I'm I'm done with the show. I'm not going to watch season two because they now I lost all trust in those writers and those TV makers because I just, I don't trust them anymore. So that's the, the most recent example I can think of. I think sexual violence is, violence in general. I can handle some of it, but sometimes it's too much. It's, it's just too much. Uh, and like sexual on, violence is just... Like on no, Daredevil, like that was kind of borderline when we watched Daredevil. Yeah. Like the violence there was sort of borderline. And if they had, if it had been sexual violence, I would have just been out of that show, period. Yeah. Which is why I stopped watching Game of Thrones. I really liked that show. And it, it was so violent, so horrible. And then I learned what happened to Sansa Stark. And I was like, nope, I'm not watching this show anymore. So I stopped watching it. Yeah. So don't blame me there. I don't, I have, I'm going to watch the first season of that because everybody says the first season is pretty good. But I don't think I'm going to go after that. It has such amazing characters. It's just the sex and the violence is just gratuitous it's just awful the way that the way that they are shown on screen is just it has such a horrible gaze yes. that it, it's just awful and i couldn't take it anymore i'm afraid oh, oh game of thrones yeah Next, you can only read fic about one pairing for the next three months. What do you choose? This is probably a me. This is like yes. definitely a me <laughs> question because you don't read yeah. fic about pairings. For the next three months, I would probably choose like uh, OT. I would probably choose OT3 fic like Tony, Bucky, Steve if I could only do it for the next three months. But it depends on the timing. Like, ask me again in six months, I'd be like, oh, I'm kind of burned out on fandom, so I'll probably just like only read Arthur Eames for. I just go back and reread everything, so it just depends on the time. But right now, yeah, I would I would be reading nothing but O three three fic with Tony Bucky and Steve because my heart hurts. <laughs> I'm in pain. Uh, did you watch the trailer? Yes, I for did. Sleep yes, I did. Okay, that was very interesting. On a scale from one to ten, how excited are you about Spider Man? Negative sixty seven. <laughs> I just don't care about Spider-Man. I'm just going to have to wait and see what they do with him. I Like, as a character, I don't care about Spider-Man. I've never liked that character, even though I used to have a Spider-Man coloring computer game for some reason. I don't know why, but I played all the time. Like, I just don't care about him as a character. Because I've never, like, read his comics, watched his cartoons. I watched the Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire, but I was kind of like, eh, these are okay like, in his entertainment. But I'm not into that, him as a character like I am like into Iron Man or Captain America or the Winter Soldier or Black Widow or Captain okay. Marvel or Miss Marvel. <laughs> I can't. Civil War II can just bite me. <laughs> I thought it was really... The tone of his appearance in that trailer was so off-putting. Because you have this whole crescendo of dark gloom. Look at these friends fighting each other. People may might be dying. The end of the world. The end of friendships. And then, hello everyone. What? It was what? like a weird tonal shift. And I think yeah. they were trying to like insert some comedy. Because generally, even though the trailers are dark, the movies tend not to be that dark. They, they have really dark moments. But as a whole, the Marvel movies are kind of upbeat. And but so it just felt like tried to insert some levity but it just did not work for me it just did like, not work for me either i was just like yeah. it's okay they it's fine this poor these poor marketers didn't have one billion characters to rise for this so I, i'm just gonna i'm just gonna give them i'm not watching anything else like that's it i'm done i'm done until the movie i see the movie i'm not watching i've blocked all the tags i've muted all the hashtags on twitter so i'm i'm cut off from spoilers until i see the movie Okay, it's good that you told me that, so... Oh, yeah, so, yeah, so, uh, you okay. can feel free to watch it and let me know, like, how you feel about it. But, don't tell me details. Alright. <laughs> um, I'm gonna mispronounce this Tumblr user's name, I'm so sorry. Bien Folatre? Bien Folatre, maybe? Uh, Anna, please say, that's not how the force works. Uh, my thanks in advance. So, you're gonna say, that's not how the force works in Portuguese. I'm so excited. Não é assim que a força funciona. <laughs> I don't know why that's so great. I think it's the way you said it. Yes. Are you super excited about me? Like, asking <laughs> make you say stuff in Portuguese? You're like, I'm not so a monkey, excited. guys. Yeah. 
But the worst thing is that what if there are Brazilians listening to me and they allow like now, oh, Anna, your translation sucks. This is not how you should say. And it's like, it's possible because well, Portuguese on the plus is side, hard. Guys, if you're a Portuguese and you're, if you speak Portuguese and you're listening to this podcast, uh, you should just send us the, the way you would say it and we'll play it. Just yes. Like, okay. Do you, can, that. you can voice memo us. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, Tasi Tasi asks, what project of yours that are you are most proud of? And Anna, because Renee asked, please tell us your favorite word and curse word in Portuguese. Um, bejo? Is that how you say that? Um, bejo? No. I don't know how to say that word. Beijo. Beijo? Oh. I would, see, I just, make it, I just make it sound like Spanish because I don't know Portuguese. Yeah, exactly. I would just make the J sound like an H. Well, how do yes, you say that word? Beijo. Beijo. Um beijo. Um beijo. Mm-hmm. So, so basically, what like What's she saying is that kisses for you. She's sending mm. kisses to us. Oh, thank you. Mm. I'm going well, to forget well, that. Mm. I'm going to forget um, that immediately. I got the first word right. Um, yes, um beijo. It I does. really hope Renee asked this question so she <laughs> tries to speak. <laughs> well, congratulations. I did it and I fucked it up. What is your favorite word in curse word in, in Portuguese, Anna? My favorite I don't, I don't. That's hard. I know you have a favorite curse word. You can't even pretend with me, with me on that one. I know you have a favorite one. Do I? Which do one? I don't know. I just know you do. <laughs> okay, I think my favorite curse word would be fodacy, which is like go fuck yourself. Oh, it's like wow. fodacy. But I say a lot of porra too, which is like shit. Although we have a translation for shit, which is merda. Yeah, slang porra- is different though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, and my favorite word, I am gonna go right now with Irma. Which is sister. Oh. Yeah. What project of yours that you are most proud of? Do you have a project that you're most proud of, Anna? I've worked for such a long time on the book Smugglers that it has to be the book Smugglers. Well, I mean, I, I mean, Lady Business is a project I have, but like I have smaller projects in there. And I think the one I'm most proud of right now is the short fiction survey that me and Jody are doing, where we like, like ask people what their favorite short fiction is and we share like, roundups i think it's made it a lot easier for me to see what people are reading and to find like good stories and it also means that people because i'm really specific about what kind of short fiction i like people will come to me and write me stories like renee this is super optimistic and happy oh this has a robot oh this has ai you'll like it and so it's really benefited me that people will just like give me custom wrecks it's really great so that's probably my favorite one that i'm most proud of right now you're just proud of the the whole book smugglers everything (laughs) Yeah. I'm well, most yeah. proud I'm most proud of the publishing company. I get to be oh. proud of that even though I have nothing to do with okay. it. Okay. <laughs> I'm most proud of you for like launching a publishing arm in this I know. this environment where it's really hard to make money doing it, but it's not that you want the money so much. I mean you wouldn't mind it, but it's more oh, like yeah. you, you just want to <laughs> provide a platform for people to tell great stories. Yes. And to provide a platform for people who are not white and straight and American and you want to give other voices and I'm really proud of that I really think that's good good work that you're doing we're trying we're trying very hard and we are actually gonna launch a new project oh no next month a new but one. I'm but I'm not supposed to say anything you know about it I told you oh right okay but it's a secret from everybody else it's a secret for everybody else but you know it's coming have either of you read The Interrogation of a Shallow, a Shallow Wolf by Amberlynn, holy shit, I can't pronounce this name, uh, Que Mulina? Yeah. Maybe. If no, can I suggest it the strong, strongest, most enthusiastic way as a book that you both may value reading a lot? And this is from Momentary, Tra- Momentary Transcendence on Tumblr. I have not read that. Have you read that? I have not read it, but I do have a copy of it. Oh my god, you just can't randomly have copies of everything. Yes, a good friend, um, an Australian blogger, sent me a copy of that book um, last year. And it's an Australian novel, if I'm not mistaken. And I do have it here. I have not had the time to read it yet. And you probably won't, but in the next few months. But now I'm going to go ahead and add it to my to be read list. Yes, yeah, we can read it for the podcast, maybe. At some point. They also asked, since you did your podcast call out last year, what other new and exciting podcasts have you discovered of the one you discovered last year? Which have you continued to be your favorites? So with many things, with all of those things happening, I have not listened to a lot of podcasts lately. Actually, I was catching up with our own podcast. Because <laughs> you listen to our podcast. Which is cute. Yes. 
I do, of course. I only just got up with our because I don't know if you know this, Renee, but we we had a lot of episodes this year so far. Yes, I know. It, the, March is apparently the month we're cursed because last March <laughs> I fell on the stairs and injured myself and couldn't <laughs> use a computer. Uh, oh yes, I so remember that. This month has been you being busy and me being ill. So March is apparently the month that we like in 2017. Maybe we just want to consider March like. Build up some content and then, like, us go on break in March. Yeah, maybe <laughs> you know? we should do that. Yeah. Um, it's our holiday month. It's really hard. I have gotten into the crafting system, which is like a podcast about fandom and crap, like knitting and sewing and like crafts, basically. It's really cute. And I've also gotten more into fan explaining, which is a podcast about like fan work fandom. And they have a lot. It's like, by fandom, about fandom, is hosted by like people from fandom that like read a lot of fanfic and are actually involved in the entertainment industry, but also fans themselves. It's really it's really cute. I've started listening to Gahala by Willow Cabins. It's like a science fiction and fantasy podcast, but it's, it's going to be like female gaze, obviously, because she really likes lesbians. I, I understand. So if that's kind of if you're into like female gaze. <laughs> And lesbians, I would uh, highly recommend Gahala because it's super cute so far. She's she does has great guests too. Uh, Black tapes, Black tapes. Anybody? I've ever already been listening to Black tapes because Black tapes is great. I really want to start listening to that one. I um, think that's the first one that I'm going to try to listen to. And then there's some others like Another Round, obviously Nerds of Prey, Note to Self, Sampler. Like, I have a list of other podcasts to check out, but, like, I have to do them one at a time. Note to Self is the one that I've actually, like, it's a kind of a self-help podcast in some ways. Like, they did recently did, like, a thing called Info Magical to help you, like, manage, like, information overload, which was really kind of neat. Like, a bunch of people, like, thousands of people took part in this little project. And it was super great. And you can still go do it. Like, you can just sign up for their little newsletter and do it if you want. I'm almost caught up on another round. I don't know what I'm going to do when I... I, I don't know what I'm going to do when I'm out of another round. Because it's so great. I think this is what... This is one of the things that prevented me from listening to more podcasts, too. Because in... Because I used to walk to work every day. And then in... Since October, I kind of, like, had to put a stop to that. Because I had joint pains because of my thing so but now i'm much better because i've been taking some medicine for that uh so i started walking again this is how i caught up with fangirl podcast who is a fangirl happy hour but now then i'm gonna start listening to other ones they also asked what authors that you haven't talked about yet on the show at length because at all seems a bit mean do you just read anything they publish as soon as possible because you love their work so much. I would say Frances Harding. I already talked to, about her on the podcast. But not, but like, in-depth. We haven't, not I still haven't in read depth. anything by her, which you're probably going to do for me for soon. I know. Uh, Renee, <laughs> I know, is, I'm sorry. this is a terrible thing. I know, I'm sorry. I also read everything by Megan Wellington-Turner as soon as she publishes, but since she only publishes every five years or so, so it's not hard. I would say now N.K. Jemsen. Mm-hmm. It's immediate Me by... Too. Yeah. Unlucky. Yep. Yeah. Although we've talked about both of them on the podcast. But yeah, quite a lot. Um, I think that's it. I have a modern all dudes. John Scalzi, John Green, James S.A. Corey, Kate Elliott... So do you still read John Green then? I do. He hmm. hasn't published anything because he's writing a book right now and it takes him like years to write a book. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I pretty much read everything he writes as soon as he puts it out. Maggie Stiefvater also. Uh, my anxiety plays up in really interesting ways when it comes to books. Because like, even if I love an author, sometimes they'll release a book. I'll get stressed about it. Is stressed in what way? Because I get scared. Like, I just get stressed that I'm not going to like it. And yeah, exactly. I'm going to disappoint somebody by not liking it. So even if I, like, when The Raven King comes out by Maggie Stiefvater, I guarantee you I'm going to get that book and I'm going to sit on it for, like, two weeks. Or more. Because I'll be so terrified. That makes sense, though, because it's it's the things and the ones that you put a lot of yourself into. 
you have a deeper connection to those stories, to those authors. So that makes sense. That's perfectly understandable. I just, this is also why I wanted to do the reading challenge I'm doing this year, 100 Unique Women, because I wanted to read, I wanted to find more women and people of marginalized genders that were writing things I like to read so that I could be excited about more than just like a handful of authors and maybe spread the stress out because maybe if i'm teaching myself to be excited about like lots of different authors i won't have this problem where i put all my like eggs in this one author basket so when they release a book because i only have like a handful of authors i'm like faced with all this like anxiety about not liking the book so if i have more favorite authors that it just becomes excitement instead of just like excitement 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 and then suddenly oh it's too much excitement it, it turns into anxiety minica Asked yeah. us uh, the question that we just answered. What are we currently listening to, po- listening to podcast wise? Mirika, we answered your question just <laughs> like a few minutes ago. So, you can... <laughs> so uh, you're welcome. <laughs> you and you have similar ideas. Ira asked us a question. Oh. It's really hard. They asked, What keeps you inspired? You've been doing this podcast for a while now, and I want to know what keeps you going. It can be pretty hard to keep going with a creative endeavor after a while, and as a fellow creative person, I want to know how you do it. Okay, for me, it's you. Yeah, same, same, same. Because I had so much fun talking to you, and I like our chemistry. I like to exchange ideas with you. I I enjoy very much the time that we spend together doing this. Yes, that's probably it for me too. Like, it's really hard to do projects with people where you're not, like, on the same wavelength, I think. Exactly. So when you find somebody that you really like mesh with, it makes the project fun. Yes. And I think I have been very lucky in that aspect because um, with Thais, the same thing. And now with you, and it makes, makes it worthwhile. And another thing that I really like is when we get comments or people on Twitter talking to us, those are are very inspiring too especially when they are nice and they say oh this this made me listen to something this made me read something i really like your show because that brightens up my day and that is inspiring too because it's nice and yeah i like feeling like i bring either help people think about something hard and or difficult to understand in like a more accessible way or I like get them a wreck and I really like that book or a movie or TV show and they're like ah I'm happy so it's really it's really nice it's like making people making people stay better I also like when people say that we make them laugh yes that's really nice um because as you know I've always wanted to be the clown um, grow, growing up, I always wanted to be the person who made the entire classroom laugh. I had this friend. Well, I have this friend. He was awesome. He is still the same way now. Um, I met him when he we were both 10-year-old, and now we are 40-year-old. And we are still close friends. And he still makes everybody around him laugh so hard and I always admired him for that and I always kind of like envied you especially during school At, in school he would just make the entire classroom classroom laugh and I was like I want to be that one when I grow up so I really like when people tell me that I make them laugh because it's like fulfilling a dream <laughs> Congratulations. You've, you've reached it. You've made people laugh all the time. Yeah. <laughs> we actually have a hard question. Oh, another a, one. Yeah. No, I mean an actual hard question. Anonymous wants to know, I have a library question. I use the online library for eBooks and all the LGBTQ books are listed as fiction. Other books all give genres, romance, historical war stories, or why dystopian magical realism, for example. The LGBTQ ebooks are the only ones without. It's very frustrating and it may seem a little tinfoil hat of me, but it feels like it's done with intent. There's a category with LGBTQ and it has one book in it with a scary looking BDSM cover. What do I do and why is it like this? <laughs> Which, uh, I'm not a library person. So, I, I so, have no idea. So basically I went, to my, I went to I went to Minika and KJ and was like, uh... But of course, since they don't, like, they need more information to actually give, like, a good 
like answer. So I mean, their answer was basically the answer that I came up with was that um, they may be putting it in fiction to like make it more nor- like normalize it. And sometimes when this happens at my library, if something is like in- incorrectly cataloged and sorted, if you go if you go to the library and, and say, "Well, I'm I want to use this resource, but I'm having trouble finding these books when they're because they're not labeled." And if you just bring it up to your librarian and let them know, A, that you're concerned about this the catalog, and B, that you're having trouble finding stuff, they might be more likely to fix it. And also, KJ pointed out, I think, that a lot of cataloging systems are using, like, a, I forget how she phrased it, but they're pulling a, the sorting system from somebody else. They're using somebody else's sorting system, so it's like a legacy system that they're using to sort. And it might not be that library, just they're using somebody else's sorting system. And so that's just being carried over. And your library might not know that, or they might um, not know how to fix it. But if you maybe go to them and talk to them about it, it they could help you out a little bit. Uh, it's really hard, I think, because like you don't want to like other some books. Like you don't want to create like um, like the gay section or whatever. But I do think it's worthwhile to go and like talk to your librarians about the online the online library system and how you they could possibly improve it that's the only thing that makes sense at this point i think yeah that's i mean i don't think there's probably any malicious intent i would hope not also scary looking bdsm cover is maybe not very empathetic to people who practice yeah. uh, bdsm so yes. i mean i understand what you mean by a scary bdsm cover but uh, BDSM isn't inherently a scary sexual practice. It's or sometimes it's not even a sexual practice. Sometimes it's just like something people Wait, do I'm, that has yeah. that isn't sexual at all. So, like you, by going and asking, you may be able to like a learn some more about BDSM and how it's not like inherently scary, and also educate the librarians on how n- not to just put erotica in LGBT category, which is a problem. Yes. Especially if they only have one book. <laughs> I don't know. I read a lot of fanfic, and a lot of fanfic has a lot of BDSM elements, and it's not like it's not like it's not scary. It's, no, it's not. No. I, I know that culture has made it out to be this like, thanks Fifty Shades for misrepresenting culture. But good luck, Anon. I hope you can speak to your library. Maybe you can just email them if you're if you can't go. You might email find an email and email somebody to find out who you would speak to about it that might be another option if you can't show up at the library i bother my librarians in person all the time but that's me <laughs> so you might not be comfortable doing that i come up poor library it's like oh god this lady again <laughs> i'm sure they love you there renee you, you think you think they love me there i think they do love you you must be one of the favorite patrons oh man I'm sure of it. I don't think. I don't think so. I don't think so. We also actually get an email from uh, Addie, Addie Time on Twitter, and she sent us an email about uh, BB-8 and R2. We talked about uh, R2 D2 being shut down for whatever reason. We were like plot hole. <laughs> and, yeah, but I remember that. Addie has a theory, and it's she says I thought that the arrival of BB-8 with its portion of the map is what caused R2 D2 to wake up. Maybe R2 shutting down until the other part of the map arrived was a security measure so R2 couldn't be captured by the First Order. Although I do think that there is a scene where Kylo Ren indicates they already have that part of the map from the archives. Anyway, I like this theory too. It works. I like it too. But there is a plot hole there. Oh, is there? You know, what if the First Order was the first one to find the missing map? My brain hurts. <laughs> so then R2, D2 would have to wake to that regardless of who owns it uh addy doesn't care like, <laughs> i would forgive jj abrams anything sorry, if he would make sorry. one more season of french i just rained on your parade i'm so sorry this is so <laughs> inconsiderate i don't i've never i've never watched fringe is fringe good friends fringe oh fringe. fringe oh my god okay for a moment i had like a minor heart attack i haven't seen um, Friends either but okay. <laughs> That was so like a huge part of my oh, um, early twenties. You I'm know, also Addie's like, you haven't seen Fr- fuck you, Renee. Fuck you for not seeing Fringe yet. 
sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, so I did watch the first season of Fringe, and I liked it very much. For some reason, I stopped watching it because it's you're doing eight thousand jobs. It's on Netflix, and oh, it? it's one of yeah, it's one of my next to be watched things. Oh, sweet. I still, I'm still back on Sense Eight, so I can't move oh, on. Oh my goodness! So how much, how, how much of it have you I watched? I've been sick. I haven't watched any yet. I'm still on Sense Eight. Okay. Oh yeah. It's okay. fine. I'll get there. Like since, like it's Sense Eight, and then that I forget now. I'm, I have a list. I've made a list. I have a list of shows. <laughs> Fangirl Happy Hour is Anna Grillo and me, Renee Williams. I'm also our producer. You'll find links to some of our discussion topics in our show notes at fangirlhappyhour.com. You can email us at fangirlhappyhour at gmail.com. You can find us on Tumblr and Facebook at fangirlhappyhour. One long word, no spaces. You can chat with us on Twitter at fangirlpodcast. You can also find us under our personal accounts at booksmugglers and at Renee. Our music is by Boxcat Games. Our logo is by the very talented Era. You can commission them at justera.tumblr.com. For both myself and Anna, thanks for listening. See you next episode.